Hi, everyone. It's Susan. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to CGCG222 for the wonderful review that you just left on iTunes for the podcast. Let me just read this to you because it really meant a lot to me. This is a long overdue review for this awesome podcast. I've spent the past two years in a very painful divorce process that seems like it will never end. Every time I feel like I can't possibly pull myself out of bed, e.g. this morning, I put on one of Susan's podcasts and always get some wisdom that helps. There's a great mix of guests, but the focus on and beyond has been really helpful for me. Hearing that there is something on the other side of this pain keeps me going, and Susan's warmth and compassion makes this more than your typical podcast. Highly recommend. So CGCG222, I just want you to know how much it means to me that you left this review and that the podcast has been helping you because the and beyond and letting you know that there is life beyond this time in your in your, your process is why I do this. So thank you so much. Hang in there. It's going to get better. I promise life is better in the and beyond. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. What's really important for kids is that sense of belonging and connection with each parent. And that is best served when there can be an equitable division between households in terms of how time is shared. Hello and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I'm really happy to be joined again by parenting expert, Christina McGee. She's coming to us from Texas for the second in our series on raising children and healthy children during divorce. Christina has been in this field for over 20 years. She is my go-to resource for all things parenting, not just during divorce, folks, all things parenting. But honestly, I'm just holding up right now for those of you who are not watching this on the YouTube channel, Christina's book, Parenting Apart, is your encyclopedia on uh, how separated and divorced parents can raise happy and secure kids. And the one thing I can say as a divorce attorney for umpteen years, most parents can agree they want to raise happy and secure kids. So start here with the book, folks. Um, do go back if you haven't and listen to last month's episode um, where Christina told us how to have the talk, right? How to tell your children about divorce. Enormously popular conversation um, and episode for um, for parents, Christina. And I did get a lot of comments just so um, you know the the 
the follow-up because I heard from a lot of parents who had the situation where their co-parent jumped the gun. And we talk about that in the episode, but it's a such a common thing. I really want you to know if you're out there and you're dealing with the aftermath of your co-parent telling the kids without your input or without you being there. Uh, Christina covers that in the episode and she covers it in the book in even more depth. So please do um, go back and listen to that episode. Um, so anyway, Christina, thank you for coming back and joining us again. I know that parents are out there waiting for uh, this information and I'm going to say I want you to listen to this episode before you even sit down with a calendar and start thinking about your parenting plan. But thank you so much for joining us again. Oh, delighted to be here as always. So one thing I mentioned to you, I had one of the listeners write in on my Instagram feed, on the Divorce and Beyond Instagram feed, which is at Divorce and Beyond for anyone who's not following. Um, And her name is Kim. Kim, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say Kim C because I can't pronounce her last name, but I want to thank her for writing in with this question because I think this is a very common situation. I see Christina nodding again because, you know, we hear this. Um, So here's what Kim said. And this is in response to a post I put out saying that conflict between parents is the number one predictor of children having issues stemming from the divorce or stemming even in life. It doesn't have to be from a divorce. But conflict between parents is a huge issue for your children. So Kim wrote in, um, how about when parents don't talk at all, but at the same time, there are no conflicts? They're not close enough as friends, but are civil during drop-offs. Will this kind of apathetic relationship have lasting effects on children? So, Christina, I, I really, you know, I've heard this over and over, um, where it's not like a fight or yelling right. or screaming, but it's that cold, just, you know, cold shoulder right. type of approach. So, so yeah. what, would you, what are your thoughts on this? So what I would say is it's a common misconception that parents have that if we don't openly argue, if there's no direct conflict, we're not having screaming, drag out fights in front of the kids, it's okay. It's good enough. Um, But the truth is, is that kids are still left to deal with all that unspoken tension, like walking on eggshells. You know, it's not just our overt actions that kids pick up on. It's the eye rolls. It's the our voice, it's the subtle jabs or like the non-responses. Um, you know, so say uh, Javier comes in and he says, what a great time he had um, playing football with dad over the weekend. And mom doesn't respond at all, but just starts talking about something completely different. Like, What's he supposed to do with that? So while, you know, conflict, being protective for conflict is really important for kids. The other critical factor is how parents relate to each other, whether parents are married or whether they're divorced, like how mom and dad are relating with each other is huge for kids because this is kind of their foundation for their own future relationships. And and there are a lot of parents that are in this boat. And um, so sometimes parents say, well, you know, what can I do about it? I mean, that's just the way my co-parent is. I don't really have a choice. Well, actually, you do have a choice. You always have a choice. You can't control what the other parent says, doesn't say, what they do, but you can control what you do. And you can make a choice to really aspire to something better than that for your kids. Um, what is it? 
I mean, what does it say to our kids when we can extend common courtesy to a complete stranger, but not to their other parent? Yes. I mean, very true. Yeah. So don't base your co-parenting values on what the other parent does or doesn't do. Base them on what your aspirations are for your kids. And so even if the other parent chooses to ignore you and they're not civil, that doesn't mean that you cannot extend a common courtesy, a hello, you know, thank you very much. Appreciate this. That I mean, that's so perfect. And there's so much in that, you you know, one of my other roles in, in my professional world is as an online mediation expert. And one of the questions I always get from people is, don't you lose, you know, the communication through a screen? And one thing that I've learned through research is 55% of our communication, and this isn't just to the person we're talking to, it's to anyone who can see us, 55% is our facial expressions and 35% is our inflection and tone. So you just mentioned that, right? If it, it doesn't matter if someone is not saying something, if they're rolling their eyes or failing to smile or, you know, just making or, or saying things in a particular tone, it conveys quite a bit, um, 80% of our communication through those two modalities. But it's really powerful for parents to hear what you just said, if they're on the receiving end of that kind of behavior, is that it does not have to control their behavior. That's so important. And so impactful on your children. You know what, deflect it with a smile and a have a great day. (laughs) You know, I mean, and and try to be authentic. I mean, that's the other piece, you know, you don't want to like, oh, all good them. (laughs) Yes. No. And I didn't mean that. I may have said it facetiously. Yeah. And I don't mean it that no, way. No. You know, for your children, um, you know, understand, you know, I, I, I hear, you know, Javier, I hear you and Billy had a great time playing football. That's great. Billy, you know, Billy really enjoyed it. And, yeah. and you, that is truthful. Billy enjoyed it. And that's what should be important to you. Exactly. So. And I tell parents when, um, if you don't have like a completely stellar outlook on the other parent then, you know, don't, don't say anything that you don't mean. You want to be authentic and genuine, but instead of focusing on your perception, focus on your children's perception. Talk about what they see, what their experience is. Like you just, you just gave a great example. Sounds like that was really great for Billy. Right. You don't have to make a comment about your own personal impressions of the co-parent, but you can really stay focused on what they mean to your child. Yeah, and that's actually that's a fantastic segue to what we're talking about today, which is creating a parenting plan. But the the key words in in this are that works well for kids, right? Cool. You know, from the kids' perspective, you just said consider your response to your co-parent from the children's perspective. When you're creating a parenting plan, you know, as a divorce attorney, as as a mediator, I day in and day out see parents creating a parenting plan as if the time with their children was another commodity to be fought over. We talked about this just before we started taping, as opposed to their your children's lives, your children's time and space on this earth. Um, and, you know, so it becomes a very combative area for parents. So, you know, you start off with just, um, I think, speaking to parents about time sharing and how they should, should view that. So why don't we start there, Christina? 
So, I mean, if you look at, it used to be historically that we looked at this protection and shielding kids from conflict was really kind of the, the, the guiding principle, you know, that if there was going to be a lot of conflict between parents, probably kids were better off not having an equitable distribution of time. And actually researchers have gone back and, and taken another look at that. And what they found is that what's really important for kids is that sense of belonging and connection with each parent. And that is best served when there can be an equitable division between households in terms of how time is shared. Now, that doesn't mean 50-50. Right. Oh, <laughs> God, you just said the words. 50-50. Yeah, I, I went 50-50. There. <laughs> oh, yeah. So let's dive into that. It doesn't mean 50-50. No, it doesn't. But I, I mean, I think that the intention behind the idea of 50-50 was a good one. We want to have a more equitable time sharing. And so how can we go about that? And people kind of got caught up. Oh, we'll just make it even. We'll just split it down the middle. Well, that's not the way kids' lives work. And if you look at what life was like for your children before the split, like when you decided to become parents and you were raising them together, my guess is that you did not spend 50-50 time with your kids. You know, the baby comes out, you're in the hospital, and I go, okay, so you're going to get, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we'll swap out on Sundays, we're going to keep it even, Stephen. That's not the way you go about raising kids. No. And so why should that change? Because now you're parenting out of two households. So instead of like creating this plan and fitting your children's lives around it, you want to create a, a, you want to create a plan that fits your children's lives. That's the bottom line. Yep. And, and I can tell you as a divorce practitioner, I used to say, I'm part of this, you know, I used to say to my clients, well, as we look at a parenting plan, let's look at historically what you have done and you've referenced that. And let's look at your schedule. I, I said this. I'm so. <laughs> let's look at your schedule to see when you're available to parent or when you can, you know, when you can be there. Because there is a, I will say in my own defense, there is a practical aspect to this. And if you right. have a parent who is an airline pilot who is flying three days a week, or or is a fireman or a firewoman, um, fire person, uh, you know, maybe they are three days on and five day, four days off, or something like that. But uh, it's not just about when you are available to parent your children. Your children are available to be parented 24-7. So starting from that perspective might be a better way to look at it. Isn't that right? Right. Well, you want to focus on quality. What, what kind of plan can we create that is going to provide the children with a quality relationship with those of their parents? What's going to help them feel like they are continuing to share a life with each of their parents? You know, and that yeah. that is really the most important thing. Um, and yet, you know, you're right. Time sharing kind of gets thrown out like a commodity, like who's getting grandma's china, the big screen TV. Oh, and by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Who gets the holidays? Who gets Halloween? Yes. You know, um, it, it, 
it, we know what an issue that is. And and here's what I know people are thinking out there um, who are listening. Well, 50-50 is not fair. Or, or if we're not getting, I'm sorry, if we're not getting 50-50, if I'm not getting half of my children's time, if they're not with me 50% of the time, that's not fair. Um, mm. And there's so many things wrong with the word fair. Um, but, which I've talked about in other episodes. But, you know, what is your your response to parents when, well, it's not fair if I'm not getting 50-50? Well, you know, what feels fair for you doesn't always feel so great for your kids. So I would suggest forgetting about fair and focus on flexible. Like, what can you do to help your children um, continue to have a quality of life that they deserve? Like, should their childhood take a back seat to you having a fair division of time, like you know, and it's so sad for kids. You'll you'll see these kids like maybe they make every other soccer game because they don't, you know, they're not with the same parent every weekend, so it switches back and forth. Or you know, they're in the middle of really enjoying a holiday, but now they have to stop enjoying that holiday because it, it's fair for them to spend the rest, you know, the other half of their holiday with this parent we get really connected into, uh, you know, our focus narrows and we're focused on what it feels like for us. And you, know, you get this, I should get the same. If I give you this weekend, you need to give me one back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That one, the, the made makeup time, makeup time is a huge one. And, and this is, I have a video on my YouTube channel um, where I say the the words I never want to hear parents say when we're talking about a parenting plan and they are, I want. Mm-hmm. It's because parenting plans don't have anything to do with what you want because the focus right. is on the children. And I have a, a whole episode on that. And that's where you really get into that. Fair isn't really what you're looking for. What you're looking for is what I loved the words you used a minute ago about something that allows the children to maintain a loving and close relationship with each parent. Um, So but what about those cases where a a parent is going to argue? And I know there are people out there thinking this, too. Well, he or she never actually really spent much time with the kids before. I'm the one who did all the doctor's appointments, went to the school events. Their other parent has been, you know, somewhat checked out. Um, So doesn't that mean I should continue to be the parent with the children most of the time? What what do you say to that? And I would say, so divorce is a change in a family and there're going to have to be some changes in order to maintain that relationship you know each parent is going to have to adjust their skill level so you know typically when you're living in one home you kind of play to each other's strengths so if one's you know stronger at scheduling and maintaining things and that was your understanding and how life is moving forward you know that's what you did um, now life has changed and so maybe that parent who wasn't involved needs to step up their game and they need to learn those skills. They still need, kids still need to have that ongoing continuity of a relationship with each parent. And um, so for that reason, I really encourage parents to support what I call a two-home concept, where regardless of how the time is spent, even if it's a very, let's just say for whatever reason, one parent has a certain kind of job and it is a very historically traditional where it's like, you know, some time on the weekends, 
uh, a couple times a month or a parent lives a considerable distance, I would say still in those cases, kids need to feel like they have a home with that parent. That it's not about the time it's being spent, it's about the sense of belonging and connectedness. That's the fundamental principle that's really, really important. So, so what do you suggest for building that? Because I would say, again, it's traditional or it's, it's the more common situation, but you often have one parent who's staying in the home the children already know. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other parent who's establishing a new household. And I know that that parent ends up feeling somewhat disadvantaged because right. one, there may not be enough money to establish an equal household, if we want to call it that, or a household where maybe the kids both ha all have separate bedrooms. Maybe they're going to be sharing space in the new household or it's just new. And so new, you know, they, they don't have what's familiar. They don't have their friends in the neighborhood, their school down the street. How can that parent and how can both parents actually support the establishment of two equal households or two separate, but um, right, the two home right. concept, as you called it? So I would say the first thing is change how you talk about the time you spent. So don't use words like visitation, visit. Oh, you're going to go visit your other parent. Um, custody, periods of possession. Um, uh, it's not their time. <laughs> that's, not the, that's, that's not what the court said. The judge said you have to go this Day and this day, you know, we get caught up in all these kind of legal concepts and legalese. Um, I think you talk about parenting time. You know, this is your time with dad. This is your time with mom. You're going to be at mom's house. You're going to be at dad's house. Um, I think both parents have a responsibility to adopt that kind of language and behave in ways that support a two-home concept. So um, that's the first thing. I don't think that both homes need to be exactly the same, um, especially in the early stages. You know, there may be some things that are changing. And so you do what you can with what you've got. So if financially you can't have two bedrooms for your kids, then what can you do to make it feel more like a home atmosphere for them? Do they have a special place for their things? So they always know where they are. Do you have two sets of things like toothbrushes and pajamas and clothes and shoes and toys to play with? Um, so that they're not schlepping back and forth, you know, a suitcase or an extra backpack. Um, I think it also has to do with how you use the time you have with kids. So, you know, sometimes uh, a parent who doesn't have as much time gets trapped into that kind of visit mentality and they like yeah. entertain kids from the second they hit the door till the time they leave. It's like, go, 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 fun, 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 fun. The that's Disney really, parent, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's what being a family is about. Being a family also involves straightening your bed and taking the garbage out and cooking dinner together and hanging out in your pajamas on Saturday morning and having pancakes and reading books and doing homework. All that stuff is part of being a family too. Um, and so I, I think that you ask yourself, you know, how is it that we're going to continue to function like a family? That means you can't have fun together but you also have elements of real life. Well, and that's, you make a good point too, um, that things can be one way in the beginning, but now you're talking about, this is a long game. 
This is yeah. not just a short period of time and everything will just fall into place. So I do think people need to understand that there's a, you know, a settling in period, but that this is, you know, a situation that's going to go for a long time. And I've always told parents, you know, there's a huge difference between a parenting plan for a two-year-old and for a 16-year-old. Right. Uh, yeah. This is all going to change over time. Yeah. You know, so and, and all families change. That's the other thing. Like even when you were, even when you were in one home, things happen. Your children get born, jobs get lost, and you, you know, and you get rehired or you hit on hard times. Somebody in the family gets sick. I mean, things can change for all of us. Um, and and with divorce, it's it's no different. It's just that this is a, a change that you've initiated. And I think the other thing is you keep communication with kids open. You know, you help them process the change. So this is, for now, this is the way things are. What's going to help you feel comfortable um, in this space, you know? And, and when parents can, I strongly encourage them when there's a shared family home and one parent is moving out, if you can give kids a heads up before that transition happens and then include them in it. You know, so they're kind of the same way you would if you were preparing your kids to go to a new school. Like you don't drive up to the school and open the door and go, hey, have a great day. Tuck and roll. We're going to have a nice day. Enjoy your new school. Well, that's that's, our teacher. That's not what we do. No. And that's a that's a great point. And that actually harkens back to something you said in the last episode about having the talk with the kids, telling them that you're getting divorced. You made the point very strongly that that's not a one and done conversation, right. that this is, you know, div- your, the divorce and, and what flows from that, the change in the reorganization of the family requires conversations on an ongoing fashion, which would have happened very hopefully in your intact family, if you, if you stayed together. So it's, it will be an ever evolving conversation with your kids, but keeping them in the loop is a very good idea. Yeah. I think it's critical. It's critical. And when you're, when you're staying open to those conversations and you're talking about it, you're also modeling for your kids that it is okay to ask questions. It's okay to talk about it. If something's not feeling comfortable, I can say so versus, you know, uh, suffering through it on my own and trying to figure it out. Yeah, a really good point. I'd like to take a moment now to tell you about my favorite co-parenting app, FAIR. There are other apps out there, but FAIR is the only one that I recommend to my clients. We know that divorce is never easy, and when children are in the picture, it can be really tricky, especially when you're trying to communicate with your ex, and that's a challenge. Now there's an app with you and your kids in mind. It's called FAIR, F-A-Y-R. FAIR is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. It helps to eliminate misunderstandings while also improving communication between co-parents. Here's what the FAIR app can do. It has a time-sharing calendar, documentable text messaging, an expense tracker, a GPS check-in, and by the way, no one else has that, a monthly parenting report, a private journal, a file vault, and importantly, you can export all of the records into a convenient and time and date stamped PDF when you need it for your attorney or for court. And there's a Spanish version of the app as well. So subscribe at BeFair.com. That's B E 
F-A-Y-R.com and then download FAIR from the App Store or Google Play. You can go to FAIR.com for more details and use the discount code SUSANG18 to receive 20% off. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, parenting expert Christina McGee, on how to create a great parenting plan. If you get a a text or a voicemail or an email that really hits you the wrong way, take a step back. Don't rifle something back right away. Unless it's an emergency, you probably don't need to respond immediately. If you are enjoying this episode, check out This is the episode that might just save your life with the founder of Mist, Wendy Dolan. Because I had spoken to you, because I knew the serious of this situation. I reached out to my doctor immediately. She called in a substitute prescription for me. I ran out and got it. And within you know one day, I was back to feeling completely normal and myself. And what I said to you earlier was, I'll never know what might have happened if I had not spoken to you. Um, and, thank, and I thank God that I will never know. And my family will never know. Um, unfortunately, you do know. And now we return to today's show. Let's drill down on some of the actual issues. And and I'm not talking about the division of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But, um, you know, some of the issues that people should think about as they go into talking about their parenting plan, one of those that can cause so much, so much conflict and trouble is communication, honestly, Mm. how to get the parenting information back and forth. You know, so what are your tips on that particular element of a parenting plan? So there, there are a couple, but I would say on the front end, kind of make a decision about how you're going to communicate with each other. Um, and there are a lot of different ways. I mean, that's where technology is a real blessing for many of us. Um, I tend to really recommend check out co-parenting apps. There's so many great ones out there and for a couple different reasons. Um, because when we're like texting back and forth or we're emailing back and forth, and somebody said this on this day, then you've got to go fish up that email and relook at it. But with a co-parenting app, all of it's in one place. It's real easy to track. It's real easy to follow. There's lots of great tools to help you uh, with managing your co-parenting relationship. And so I strongly encourage people to kind of check that out uh, and yeah, see. Yeah, my I know listeners, I talk a lot about them. Yeah, well, I was just going to say my listeners know I'm a huge fan of my friend Michael Daniel's app. He's a divorce dad who had a lot of issues going through his own divorce and co-parenting, and he created FAIR, F-A-Y-R, the parent, the co-parenting app. And, and I'm just such a fan because he created it from his own experience of just what you're talking about, yeah. you know, needing that. So I just wanted, I just wanted to mention that because I think you're, you're so right. Why not take advantage of the technology that's available? Yeah, I, and I think that's critical. I think the other thing to consider is how you're going to be communicating moving forward. So even when you use a co-parenting app, if you're sending each other messages back and forth, um, you know, I, I recommend you keep them short and sweet, really focused on the kids. <laughs> Don't get into, you know, personal details. Look at it like a business relationship. Um, and if something hits you, like you you get if you get a, a text or a voicemail or an email that really hits you the wrong way, take a step back. Don't rifle something back right away. Unless it's an emergency, you probably don't need to respond immediately. 
So give, give it a moment. Yourself. Yeah. Go get a cup of coffee, take a walk around the block, take a couple of deep breaths, think about it. And, and also remember that everything that we send that's written communication is read through the feeling state of that person in that moment. So if you just got chewed out by your boss and your co-parent sends you a text, you might not be reading it in the way that it was intended. Or you right. can assume that um, maybe there's something you're missing or there's something else to the, the back end of this. But, uh, you know, you don't have to give what you get, basically. Oh. I mean, all you're going to do is perpetuate it. So, you know, most of the time it's not an emergency and most of the time you do not need to respond in kind. It's not going to help. Um, So the next aspect, and and this is a big buzzword for parents a lot, and and we've kind of hearkened to it a little bit when we talked about um, the the question from um, my listener. um, Kim, yeah. Yeah, Kim, I'm sorry. Um, But what about the the word being transitions? You know, people hear a lot about how transitions should happen uh, away from the home. There should be as few transitions as possible. You know, it's a it's a big buzzword, but I don't think anybody understands what for children hallmarks good transitioning between households. So you want to keep them conflict free, of course, you know, um, you want to keep kids informed. So if you have kind of a structure to the transition or um, kind of, you want to hit kind of a rhythm, you know, where kids know what to expect. Um, I often recommend when you come up with a a parenting um, schedule that you have hard copy calendars in each home, especially for little, um, where they can see and you color code the days depending on which parent, you know, so green days are days for dad and yellow days are days for mom. Because for young ones, tracking that time is really difficult, but if they can see it and they can count it out, they can see where they're going to be for their birthday or you know, for a certain birthday party they want to go to or their soccer tournament, whatever it is. With older kids, you can, you know, do something on the phone. You can have a Google calendar. You can have a, you know, another way to um, kind of give them a heads up so that they know when these transitions are taking place. The other thing, the other big um, pitfall that parents fall into is that sometimes they use transition time as times to have just kind of a quick on-the-fly parenting meeting so let's talk about the schedule for next week. Or let me tell you what happened at this. Or can you, no, 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 no. That's the wrong time to be having a discussion about parenting issues for a couple different reasons. One, those transitions are a high emotional time for kids because they're saying hello to one parent, goodbye to another. And so you want to stay focused on the kids during that time and, and letting them make that shift. <clears throat> I think the other issue is that you have no idea what's going on with that parent Um, when you walk up to that door and you start rattling off this list to go through or what kind of response you're going to (laughs) get, you know, and you're just opening the door. So if you're going to have discussions about parenting arrangements, things that have to do with the kids, find another time other than, you know, handovers and exchanges to, to go over those items, those business items. Yeah. I think that's a critical point. And I, I think it's such a, common thing for parents to say, oh, well, I'm going to see them when they drop off the kids on Sunday. 
I'll just I'll I'll ask if I can switch next Wednesday then. Just think I mean do do it ahead. And that's another thing two things you mentioned that the co-parenting apps can help with is most of them have a calendaring function. I know Fair does where they actually do one day, parent's days are all like a light purple and the other parent's days are all a nice light green, but you can mm-hmm. print those right out and stick it sure. on a refrigerator and it looks it's very visual. Um and the other thing is if you want to switch a date or communicate, just send it through the app. Your children are then not a part of that conversation. Only the other parent, and they can deal with it like you just said. Maybe they'll get your request to change a day and they're not up for dealing with it in that moment. If, yeah. you, if you drop it on them at a transition when your children are around, you're, you're really creating the ability to create conflict. There's no point in that. Um, but what about, so what happens in an instance where parents disagree? Because this is good. I mean, it happens with parents in intact families. It happens with parents wherever the mom and dad are divorced or mom and mom and dad and dad are divorced. Disagreements are going to be, ha- are going to happen, but they yeah. take on a new significance, right? When, but now you're in this legal landscape where no one's decision trumps the other parent's decision, right? So, mm-hmm. so how do you deal with disagreements? Well, I would say think about it on the front end rather than when you're in the moment. And so when you're building your parenting plan, talk about that. So what if we don't agree? What are we going to do? Um, Is there someone that we can use as a neutral third party, whether it's a a professional mediator or maybe there's somebody within um, your circle of friends or family that you both mutually respect that you could sit and have a three-way discussion with and and try to kind of hash it out. Um, understand that when you have agreements, sometimes you have to meet in the middle. It's not going to be all your way or all the other person's way. You want to try and find some common ground. Um, I think, and sometimes parents need to accept that, that it's okay to agree to disagree, that you don't have to do everything exactly the same to be good co-parent. You know, there are going to be differences. We all have them, whether we're married or divorced. Um, and so, if you, if there are disagreements, stay focused, focus first on the big overarching item. So what are the big things we agree on? We want our kids to we want to have a good education, we want them to feel loved, um, you know, so focus on those and then you work your way out to kind of the smaller stuff. So um, it's not necessary, you don't have to have a falling out because one parent puts the heads to bed at 8.30 and the other puts them to bed at 7.45. Right. Or ice cream for dinner. I had a big yeah. <laughs> battle in a courtroom over ice cream for dinner. I had one parent who liked to do reverse dinners and, and did ice cream for dinner. And we literally went to court over that. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. yeah. It happened. You know, well, uh, you know, it, and I always say pick your battles, you know, when it comes to these things. If you, if you make every single issue a battle and if you are of the opinion that only your parenting approach is the correct parenting approach and you're going to change your co-parents parenting approach by just explaining to them one more time why they're doing it all wrong. Mm-hmm. You're really you're not going to affect the change that you're looking for and in right. fact you usually just create a bigger a bigger problem. Well, um, and also I think it's important to consider what do you think is going to be more damaging to your kids? You know, the fact that they had ice cream for dinner or that the two of you are arguing about them having ice cream. 
Right. Well, let's go back to the top of the episode, (laughs) right? Conflict between parents is the number one predictor for children having problems. Um, All kinds of problems. We will be taught, you know, we could talk about those in an entire episode. Children can have extremely long lasting effects of modeling the the conflict between their parents. They can mm-hmm. have um, psychological problems, mental health issues. I, I mean, it, the list will go on. Believe me, Google it. Conflict between parents effect on children. If you want to scare yourselves, it will make you try to behave and not not have conflicts. And, and maybe that's a good topic because you are coming back on some more episodes, Christina. So maybe mm-hmm. we should talk about um, because I think it would be good for parents to know it's actually a, a very hefty long list of those effects. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing is that understand that your kids are watching everything you do. So, you know, if, what do you, what message are you wanting to send to them? What are you wanting to teach them about how you handle disagreement? You know, if, right. if you have a, it's my way or the highway attitude, <laughs> and then you tell your your kids, no, you need to get along with your brother. Yeah. Really? Really? So you're undermining your own peace in quiet. <laughs> so, I mean, so think about that. Think about yeah. what is it? It's an opportunity to really, it's, it's not easy. It is not easy. Everything we're talking about is super, super hard. And I think that that's why it's really critical when you're going through this, have a good support system, have a sounding board, have somebody that you can kind of talk this stuff through um, that's going to help you out. But it's so, so important for your kids that you figure it out, you figure out some way to really play to your highest values as a parent and and really show up for your kids in a way that um, they can be proud of when they look back on this experience years from now. Right. Well, it goes back to what Michelle Dempsey said in her recent episode, be the person that you want your children to be when they grow up. And I, I, that's just such a powerful thought. Um, I, I've really, I've thought back to, back to it myself. It's, it really goes to what you are showing your children um, every day of your life and how you approach life. And that includes how you approach your relationship with their other parent, who they mm-hmm. happen to love very much as well. And that's something for all of us to remember. Um, so one last tip, and I, I, as an attorney, I, I find this to be really important, is that agreements need to go in writing. You have that on your list. And I, I, I just want you from the parenting perspective to explain why getting it in writing is so important. Well, I think it clears up misunderstanding. That's just the most important thing because, um, it, and even if you have a very, amicable situation, I still tell parents, put it in writing, put it in writing, put it in writing, because life changes and we forget and our memories kind of, or the circumstances may change our perceptions of what we agreed to a couple months ago or a year ago. Um, I think for clarity, if you say, you know, stuff like, well, I'm going to drop the kids off every Sunday evening. Well, to me, Sunday evening may mean five o'clock. Sunday evening to my co-parent may mean 730 unless we write, you know, every Sunday at 730. So I, I think that you do the best you can to just kind of keep it on the straight and narrow. And, um, and, and when you make an agreement over the phone, I say, 
shoot a quick text over and say, hey, so here's my understanding of what we discussed, da-da-da. And if the other co-parent doesn't say, yeah, I'm totally on board, then you're not clear. So you need to make sure that you're staying clear about what you're agreeing to um, so that you can be effective co-parent. Right. I love that you said that follow up a verbal conversation because I've been telling clients for years to do that. And and remember, it's not an opportunity to renegotiate what you said you would agree to, too. It's not the, you know, now that I've thought about it, I don't want to do it that way. You can certainly, you don't get to retread, but it is a very good idea because what you're actually doing is reducing it a future opportunity for conflict or misunderstanding. So, you know, these are the key components. This really, this conversation, and and I hope, as we said at the top of the episode, I hope all parents listen to this before they start sitting down with that calendar and thinking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This is the core components. This is the emotional context of a parenting plan. And I and I know for many of you, this is going to be a complete like 360 on how you've been looking at and perhaps how the legal system looks at parenting plans. Mm-hmm. But this is be that's because this is looking at the parenting plan through your children's eyes. And that's what Christina has just given you is the, is what's going to be best for them, a parenting plan that works well for them. So again, Christina, I, I so appreciate your coming on and sharing this. I really, you know, we're only able in these half hour, 40 minute episodes to brush over on topics, but do get Christina's book, Parenting Apart, because it's a much deeper dive and it covers every, I, I mean, I, you, no one can cover a hundred percent of every single right, solitary right. issue, but you know what? She's pretty darn good in here. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of it's in here and she's going to be coming back next month. We're going to be talking about co-parenting with a difficult ex. Mm. So I know I always get that flood of questions of like, yeah, but my ex yeah. does this or my ex, well, you know what? We're going to cover your yeah, yeah, but situations. So do tune, tune in next month, listen to last month. And then we will be also doing a special episode around the holidays and how to handle the holidays for your kids, much like what we just talked about today. Holidays. I always remember, Christina, the movie Split that we talked about, and I'll put a a link to it. But there's one scene in Split where one little girl is talking about the holidays, and she said, yeah, that year we had like seven Christmases, so that was cool. (laughs) And I... I just love the look on her face. Trust me, that little girl did not mind having oh. seven Christmases. It was so cute. So go watch that movie in between uh, episodes, everybody. But we'll see you next month. And again, Christina. Oh, how can people get in touch with you? Because you do coaching and you help people as they're working through parenting plans, yeah, as they are, you know, pre-divorce, during divorce, after divorce, just co-parenting. So how can people reach you? So uh, you can find me at divorceandandchildren.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook under Divorce and Children, uh, Instagram, Christina McGee. So um, just hit me up if you've got a question or uh, you're feeling like you need some support, you need some feedback. Uh, I would love to have a conversation with you. Yeah, and feel free to send in a question. As you can see, we might answer it on the next episode. And I will put a link to the book in the um, show notes, but you can get it on Amazon, right? Parenting Apart by Christina McGee. 
Yeah. So, and if you get it on Amazon, everybody, as I've said on other episodes, nothing helps an author more and helps people find their book than giving a review. So go on Amazon Uh, and give a review for the book because it honestly, the more people that read this book, the happier, healthier children we're going to have in this world. And that is what we all want. Um, So again, Christina, thank you so much. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Susan. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.